I must admit that it's a bit odd for me this morning to be talking at a video camera rather than preaching to all of you here at CBC. I'm imagining that some of you will be watching this a few days later in the comfort of your own homes, but that too is a bit hard for me to picture. One of the things I've been reflecting on amidst the uncertainty of the coronavirus is the importance of physical presence with others, the importance of being with others. You know how you really don't appreciate something until it's gone? My, many of you know my wife Grace, she's been doing graduate work to become a family nurse practitioner, and you also probably know that she's a people person. She loves people, she loves to be in a room, she, she brings joy and laughter everywhere she goes. And for the first time, she's doing schoolwork that's primarily online. And a lot of people told her, they said, it's going to be so great, it's so convenient, it'll fit right into your life. But truth be told, online schooling, she really doesn't like it. Because she didn't want things to fit perfectly into neat little boxes, what she wanted was to be with other people. She wanted to be with others. I think a lot of us are realizing this same thing in these trying times, whether, whether we're a student whose academic year has been suspended and cut short and are now doing school online, or whether you're a quarantine parent who's trying to learn new rhythms of what it looks like to be with your family all day, every day, or whether you're trying to do your job for the first time in a new way, or whether you can't do it at all. If what we long for as humans is to be known and to be loved, one of the primary ways this happens is through our presence with others. So we titled our sermon series this spring, if you've been following along with us, God's Patience and God's Presence, which feels pretty appropriate right about now. God's Patience and His Presence. And so this morning I just want to bring up four short points as we look at our story from Exodus 33. And the points are the good news, the mediation, the bad news, and where we go from here. So the good news, the mediation, the bad news, and where we go from here. I think God's patience and his presence, as we see it in Exodus 33, has something unique to say to us today. And so we're going to look at Exodus 33, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 12 through 23. I'm not going to read them all, so if you'd like, you can pause the video and go ahead and read them now. But we're going to open God's Word together, and we're going to see how He can speak to us. So let me pray as we begin. God, you are in control. You are all-powerful. You know our hopes, and you know our fears. So comfort and encourage us today through your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So first, the bad news. We're coming on the heels of one of the Israelites' absolute worst showings in the book of Exodus. And that's saying something because they mess up constantly. But this time, when Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God, he doesn't come, at, come down in the time that the Israelites thought he would. And so they create a they create a God, they create a golden calf, and they start to worship it. And here's what they say about this golden calf. They say, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so naturally, God isn't too pleased with this. They, they've just been given ten commandments, and right away, they break the first two. They're making other gods, and they're worshiping. 
So they broke their covenant. So they sinned. And, you know, at the outset, that doesn't sound that bad because we, we all sin. We all sin every day, a lot. But here's what it means for the people of Israel. If you have your Bible open in Exodus 33, look down at verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, God says to the people, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So the first part of that sounds pretty good. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's what the Israelites always wanted. But then the second part comes. I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So first, we can acknowledge just how kind and gracious God is. On the one hand, he's so kind and gracious. Even though they've made these mistakes, God still says, you can leave the wilderness and you can go to this land flowing with milk and honey. That is gracious and kind. But because of their sin and because they continue to sin, he can't go with them. So the Israelites, they're going to get the milk and honey. They're going to receive some of God's good gifts but they're not going to get the best gift of all. Because the best gift of all is God himself. And they're going to be separated from God because of their sin. So the result of sin, and elsewhere, like in the book of Romans, it picks this up, the result of sin is separation from God. Or put another way, it's isolation. We uniquely feel this right now this pain of separation from others. We're, we're meant to be in relationship with others. We're meant to meet as a church, hundreds of us, to sing praises to God together. And yet, we can't right now. The youth group is meant to go rock climbing. Seniors in college are meant to have their choir concerts, they're meant to have their spring sports seasons. None of these things are happening right now. Because the world isn't as it should be. There's sickness and disease and distress. And right now we see these two things in a, in a unique clarity that we often can't in our world. We see that the world is broken and our relationships are broken. We have a broken world that's rattled with this virus that we can't control. And we have relationships that we're isolated from that we can't restore. Now, please don't hear me wrong. The coronavirus is in no way directly related to our sin. It's not like, oh, because we've sinned, that the coronavirus is here and it's wreaking havoc on us. It's not that at all. It isn't the cause, but it is an indicator. The coronavirus isn't the cause of these... It isn't, we didn't cause it with our, with our sins, but it is an indicator that this world that we live in is broken and that we live in this brokenness. So that's the bad news. There's bad news for the Israelites. God can't go with them. And there's bad news for us. We're isolated from the people that we know and the people that we love. And our sin isolates us from God as well. But secondly, there's mediation. So as we jump to verse 12, if you look down at your Bibles, starting in verse 12, Moses intercedes for the people. He mediates. He tries to make things right between the people of Israel on one side and between God on the other side. That's what it means to be a mediator. It means to go between two different groups. 
So the people of Israel have sinned, and they can't be with God. And Moses goes to work trying to fix that. So here's what he says in verse, in verse 13. He says, look, this nation is your people. And in verse 15, he follows up and says to God, God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Is it not in your going with us that we're distinct? Now, anyone who starts a sentence with the word look usually has an agenda, and they usually want something. Now, some of your Bibles might more softly translate this consider, but you can see what's at work here. Moses is really working on God. Think about it. If someone walks up to you and says, look, I've had enough of this, all of a sudden you're on the defense. Or they say, look, those dishes aren't going to clean themselves. You know that they want something. So what, what exactly is Moses trying to convince God of? He's trying to convince God to remain with his people. And he's trying to convince him to remain with them because they are his people. That's the crux of Moses' argument. He says, look, God, this nation is your people. He knows how things are supposed to be. He knows that God and his people are supposed to be together. And so he's trying to bring them back together. Because the people are about to continue on their long journey from the wilderness to the promised land. And Moses knows that that journey is not worth taking if God isn't going to go with him. So Moses essentially throws everything else out the window. And he says, look God, if you're not going with us, we're going to sit right here. We're not going anywhere. Picture it like when you try to leave the house of someone with a bunch of little kids. Um, or maybe that's your own house. And one of them just wraps their arms around your leg, and all of a sudden you're kind of dragging this child along with you. They're like a 40-pound weight on your leg. That's kind of the image that I picture in my mind of what Moses is like here. Moses is wrapping his arms around God and saying, God, you're not going anywhere, and I'm not going anywhere until we fix this thing. And the amazing thing is that it works. It works. Moses pleading with God in a way that, honestly, to me, at points seems so aggressive that it's uncomfortable. It works. For Moses' sake, God restores the relationship. And this point, it bleeds right into our third point. That God restores the relationship with the people of Israel, not because of what the people have or haven't done, but because of the mediator. The relationship isn't restored because Israel has done stuff. It's restored because of who the mediator is. It's be restored because of Moses. And so this is the good news for the Israelites, is that they have a mediator. And the good news for us this morning, as we think about our separation from God, as we think about our sin, as we think about the brokenness in our world, is that we have a mediator who the author of Hebrews says is a better mediator. Because here's what Moses realized. Moses realized that ultimately God's presence and his peace were better than a land flowing with milk and honey. God's presence and his peace are the gifts that he gives that are better than a land flowing with milk and honey. God gives Moses this good news in verse 14. God relents and he says, My presence will go with you, 
and I will give you rest. How bad do we want God's peace and presence and rest right now? Because that was the question Moses had to ask. He had to ask, do, do I just want these good things in my life? Like milk and honey, the sweetness, provision, do I just want those things? Or do I actually want God himself? Because our mediator is Jesus himself, who is God. So when we get Jesus, we don't just get his good gifts, we get God himself. And so we have the same option every day. Are we going to choose to try to take God's good gifts? Or are we going to say, I want God himself? One of the Old Testament names for Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so as we think about who Jesus is, Jesus is God with us. He is God's presence towards us because by his spirit he dwells in us. And that's the good news for us. So where do we go from here? Theologically speaking, I think we all know up here, we all, we all have this head knowledge that, that God's presence and God's peace is with us. We, we know that. We, we, we confess that. We would say that is true. We might even write a card that reminds someone of that, shoot out an email, say, God's presence and his peace is with you. But sometimes there's this disconnect between what we know is true, what we, what we think we have up here, and what we actually feel and experience. There's this disconnect because, especially in our world today, where every waking moment we're reminded of the brokenness and mortality in our world, every moment we're reminded of this, we have this tension this, in our human experience because we, we know we have God's presence and his goodness, but so much of it feels like we don't really have it yet. So this is this already but not yet tension to our Christian lives. We're at points where we're like, yes, I believe God is good. I believe he's present. I feel that presence. I feel that peace. And then a few moments later, we're totally disoriented. And we're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what's happening in this world. And I'm scared. So what do we do with this already but not yet? What do we do with the fact that often, and maybe especially right now, we feel distant and isolated from God? Because we can't be physically present with Him. We can't hug Him or shake His hand. Well, one way that we can focus on our relationship with God is prayer. We maintain our relationships by talking with one another. And even as we're separated from people right now, I've found that I've texted and called my immediate family more in these few days and weeks than ever before. My family's group text is like blowing up with messages. And it's because all of a sudden we feel, we feel how much we love each other and how much we need each other. And so we want to we communicate. And so I'd encourage you to use this time to do that with God. To spend a few minutes checking in on Him. Letting him check in on you, telling him how you feel and trying to listen to him. And you know what else we do in this already but not yet? We look forward to when we'll see each other again. I look forward to when we can all be together again here. I look forward to seeing each one of you together again. 
And here's how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I know, shall know fully. So just as you look forward to being with your dear friends again, just as I look forward, church, to being with you again, we should look forward to when we get to be with Jesus face to face. In the new heavens and the earth, because we can trust that it's going to happen face to face with our Savior, and it's going to be awesome. So church, let's be a church of little Moseses. Let's wrap our arms around God and say, look God, I'm your child and I need your presence and your rest, and your rest amidst this time. And then let's go one step beyond that and let's mediate and speak up for those around us. Whether that's by praying that others would know God's presence and his peace, or by bringing them groceries, or by calling them, or listening to what's happening in their day, think of people that you can mediate God's presence to. Make a list of them. Make a list of what you can do for others to show God's presence and his peace to them. And let's go be little mediators of who God is to others, even if it's just leaving a pint of ice cream at their front door. So church, ask God for his peaceful presence, because we have a God who is in the business of giving good gifts. Now receive this as your benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Amen.